Hi, this is Marian Samuel from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., we interview a guest about real-life issues from the Caribbean. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations, a time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life. Hello and welcome to this episode of Lighthouse Conversations. I'm Nathan Owens and I have in the studio with me Dr. Laureen Itterman. Dr. Itterman has been serving the Lord for over 70 years, and she's here to share how the Lord led her into ministry and some of her experiences and how the Lord is working in different places around the world. Dr. Itterman, thank you very much for joining me in the Lighthouse Studios. Thank you. It's my privilege. Dr. Itterman, let's start out. And can you share with me a little bit about where you're originally from and maybe a little bit about the family you grew up in? Yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, I was born in Chicago, and while still a baby, where my father was a pastor in a church, young man, uh, and when I was still a baby, we moved up to North Dakota, okay. where those blizzards are fierce, but we got acclimated to good cold weather which is interesting how God used that background later on on the mission field. Uh, I just grew up in a parsonage where people would come and go. We would hear them telling about their problems, but they were always good to us. And I had two little sisters. We found out if we would sing for our peop- the people who would come to visit us, they'd give us a little bit of money. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Uh, I guess that was starting our mission project. But if I might clarify, when my sister, younger sister, was in the crib, my other sister and I, who's the other sister's a little younger than I, would steal pennies from my baby sister who was in the crib's uh, penny bank. And we'd go downtown. In those days, you could do that kind of thing. It was a smaller town. And we'd buy candy and gum, and we got by with it for a while. But after a while, we came, when we came home, my mother asked us, where did you get that gum? I don't know. You know the typical response of kids. And she finally got it out of us that we had been stealing pennies from my sister, baby sister in the cribs, penny bank. And she said, you will be punished. I think she was really shocked that her dear little children could be liars and thieves. You know, that kind of hits a mother at times. And I, we, she said, and we aren't going to spank you. Now, spanking to us was the worst thing that could ever happen to a child, as far as we were concerned. Right. And we didn't know what they would do. They were going to chop off our heads or whatever. 
Well, we found out later they took all our money away. <laughs> and we also found out even later that they gave it all to missions. <laughs> so we learned never again to steal any money. <laughs> but I'm glad it went to missions <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so you grew up in a pastor's home? Yes. How did the Lord lead you to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we had heard the gospel, of course, since in the crib. Uh, but I remember when I was seven years old, by the way, we had a missionary speaking that evening from the Cameroons. Hmm. And he uh, asked after his sermon if anyone wanted to come and receive Christ as the sa her Savior, he or she or he. And <clears throat> I, I really wanted to go. I just felt a tugging in my heart. Well, he came down off the stage and he went around to people and asked, would you like to receive Christ? Would you like to receive Christ? And he came to my girlfriend, who was eight years old, sitting beside me, asking, would you like to receive Christ? And I thought, oh, I wish he'd ask me because I want to go forward. And he didn't. I guess he thought she's the pastor's daughter and the pastor will take care of her. I wanted to be saved so badly. I said to myself at seven years old, I don't care if he asked me or not, I'm going forward. Hmm. So it was my decision, but I really felt a tugging of the Holy Spirit in my heart to want to be saved. So connect the dots for us from seven years old to becoming a young adult. What kind of uh, career path or what kind of choices, what kind of direction did you feel the Lord leading you? How did he lead you uh, into adulthood? Well, of course, I was in the pastor's home. I learned a lot about counseling people. Uh, my father was very interested in missions, promoting missions constantly, getting churches who never did much before with missions to get excited about it. And I wanted to be a missionary. And because this past, this uh, missionary from the Cameroons uh, had been the one under whom I received Christ, I thought, well, maybe I'll go to Africa, some hot country. So I would even go outside and work in the heat to kind of get prepared for the mission field in Africa where I never did go. But anyway, this is my thinking all along the way. I want to be a missionary. I also love children, and I would start working with children uh, in the church, even at a very young age. Uh, then later, God led me to going through high school. I was working with children and into college and university where I trained to be a teacher. And so God was leading me into education. But I thought I'd be going to the mission field right away. However, that's not how it worked out. He didn't lead you directly into missions not even though you were surrendered. Exactly. I was surrendered, but he didn't lead me right into it. So where did he lead you? He led me to getting more education. Okay. He led me to get my master's degree in administration and my doctor's degree in administration, supervision, and uh, higher education. So I thought, well, when am I going to be a missionary? In fact, I tried to be a missionary. I made arrangements to go 
to study linguistics so I could go out even under a mission board such as Wycliffe or something. Yeah. And God, I, I start getting really uneasy about it. And so I asked for some counseling, and someone asked me, how much did you pray about going? And I said, well, I, I really didn't pray about it. It just seemed like the natural thing to do. And they said, you better pray about it. So I prayed about it, and I did, had no peace. Instead, God sent me into uh, schools to be uh, an administrator, and then later into university teaching and university administration. Then he led me to travel in different countries of the world to give speeches in education. So in that sense, he was preparing me for other cultures and yet it was different from just being a young person going into men, uh, the mission, on the mission field. Dr. Itterman, am I correct in saying that at one point your sister worked at the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse? Yes, she did. She was here for, what, about 15 or more years, yes. And for those who were uh, have been listening to the Lighthouse from those early years, what was your sister's name? They called her Teacher Gwen. Okay. Yes, she would tell the children's stories and was working with the children and helped to start the school that uh, Grace Baptist has now. And those that would have had a relationship with your sister Gwen, uh, how is she doing now and where is she at? Okay, Gwen got married and uh, then her husband died about 12 years after Mm -hmm. they were married, but she still has his children and stepchildren who who are now her stepchildren and she has the grandchildren and now even going into the great-grandchildren and they love her they come to visit her uh often so she has a very full life and then with her work at the church and she's also helping a mission uh with accounting and doing that just volunteer for them Thank you for sharing that side yes, note. I no. know that there are those who are listening who uh, had a relationship with her and are excited to hear that she is doing well. Very well. You're listening to Lighthouse Conversations. I'm Nathan Owens, and in this episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Lorene Itterman. She is a missionary who has been serving the Lord for over 70 years. She's been sharing how the Lord led her from growing up in a pastor's home to becoming a Christian and being fully surrendered to missions, but the Lord kind of put a hold on that temporarily. Dr. Aderman, you mentioned that you traveled around and spoke uh, on education in many different countries. What are some of those countries that the Lord led you to at that point? Okay, South Korea, Japan. Uh, of course, a lot in the West, Germany and all, you know, some of those countries in there. I even made a trip to Russia when Americans were first coming in, uh, which was rather a scary experience because a group of us went under several other organizations to teach the administrators in Russia, who were very communist, more how to teach morals and ethics in their school, but in teaching that, we could bring in the gospel. Uh, and when the airplane landed, instead of saying, well, everybody, be sure to check your belongings, and thank you for flying with us. We hope you'll fly again, which is so typical. They said, 
You have now reached Russia. Pick up all your belongings or they will be confiscated. And we looked out of the window, windows and there the Gestapos were marching around the plane. So that was rather frightening, but everything turned out okay. They were very poor at that time. Uh, We found one chicken in a grocery store. Hmm. But God blessed our work there. We were able to share the gospel uh, and show the Jesus film. So the Lord opened the door for you to use your training and education to share the gospel in communist Russia. That's right. Wow. Yes. Do you feel like the time that the Lord put you on hold for becoming a full-time missionary, do you feel that that time was wasted? Absolutely not. Why not? Because why he had me go as a missionary was to teach in the Bible college, although I trained teachers, because under communism, no one under 19 could go to Sunday school. Really? So they didn't never experience Sunday school and had never been taught how to teach Sunday school. So we had to write curriculum for them. All the songs, all the uh, activity sheets, the puppet shows, and so forth. Uh, But God gave me some young people in the Bible college who were very uh, bright and talented, and we did all of that. Uh, In and then I started developing a team, including young men who would plant churches in different parts of the world. Well, with my, I ran an organiz, uh, uh, teacher education program in one university that had a thousand prospective teachers. Wow. So I had to work with a lot of professors, a lot of students and work with the state departments and government and that type of thing. I worked with the governments in several places where I was working. And so he's giving me all these experiences so that when I set up the team, uh, it was easy, if I can use that expression. It was easy to see. Now, not always easy to do, but to see what could be done. And because of that, a team of national workers were put together that I have fanned out in different parts of the world now. Wow. Planting churches, sending out missionaries, you know. We built orphanages. We work with many different people, atheists, because that's atheist territory. Uh, So... I could go on and on about all of that. We wrote literature. We gave dramas in the public school. We were able to share the gospel with people who begged us to share the gospel. Can you imagine people begging Mm. you? They they knew you were a Christian and they wanted to hear the gospel. We were teaching Chernobyl children coming down from that disaster to the Ukraine. And over the year, we trained 4,000 kids ages 9 through 17. Uh, we sh- shared the gospel with them. We trained them how to share with others, gave them all that they needed so they could go back, fan out all over Ukraine and share the gospel. We even had we had a group of ladies who were there where the, these Chernobyl kids were coming, and they begged us to, to teach them Bible because they said, we know nothing about Bible. 
And I said, well, we can't. We have so many children to work with. We we just can't. There, I had taken two of my grad students with me. I was on sabbatical for okay. a year from the university is why I could do that. And they begged and begged. So I finally said to one of my girls who was with me, why don't you teach them? She said, I've never done that before. I said, well, just take the Gospel of John, take the first chapter, and just start explaining those verses to them. And uh, Jennifer and I will take the children. We can manage two of us with all these kids. So Anne did this, and she had some difficulty. So she came to me and she said, I don't know what I'm doing. Would you come in and teach a model lesson for me? And I'll take notes. And I said, okay, I can do that. Well, because I was training teachers and that was my field, I knew I had to have the perfect lesson because it's the one that she would yes. be hearing. So that evening I prepared the perfect lesson. I will even say it was a perfect lesson. I went in to teach. There was a large circle of ladies there waiting to hear. I started in on this perfect lesson on John 1. I got 10 minutes into the lesson, and the lady next to me blurted out, I want to go to hell. I thought, "Ah, she wants to go to hell. I've taught lessons that haven't been perfect and (laughs) never had anyone say that. But I tried not to act shocked. I asked her, and why do you want to go to hell? Because if what you're teaching us is true, then my mama's in hell, and I want to be with her. Wow. And I said, well, it's not a place where you'll be able to have a nice chat with your mother. And if your mother truly loved you, which I'm sure she did, she would she would tell you, don't come here. So I thought, well, that kind of disturbed me. She interrupted my lesson. But anyway, she quieted it down so I could continue on with my lesson. I got going again for another three or four minutes, and she interrupted again. And she said, I want to go to heaven. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. Okay, after the lesson, okay, you can pray and receive Christ as your Savior. No, I want to do it right now. Well, I was disturbed because, you see, this perfect lesson is just going out the window. And God has to teach missionaries things, too. So he rebuked me in my spirit, and I said, okay, you can pray and receive Christ as your Savior. So she prayed. And then I said, well, let's go on with the lesson. The next lady, before I even got started, who was sitting next to her, blurted out, I've never done that. I want to. And I said, well, after the lesson, okay. <laughs> I might have a doctor's degree, but I, and there, in that case, I was a slow learner. And, she, and God rebuked me in my spirit. It's like, why are you here? Hmm. You know? And he was teaching me something. So I said, okay, you can pray and receive Christ as your Savior. Then the next one said, I want to do it. I never gave an invitation. And every lady in that large circle, they just went one by one by one till we got the last person. Wow. And the last person didn't say anything. Hmm. And I thought, well, maybe she's already saved or maybe she's not ready. I don't know. I just asked her, have you ever prayed to receive Christ? And she said, no. I said, would you like to? And she said, yes, please. Hmm. And I thought, why did that happen? I found out later that was the culture. That was, this last lady was the culture 
how they respond. They're not like those others who are so forward, so aggressive. That's where I saw it's God who saves people. We do not save them perfect lesson or whatever. It's God who works on their hearts. And that was a valuable lesson for me to learn. Amen. I enjoyed listening to you share that illustration or that example and reminded me that many times our plans are sometimes interrupted by God and he's got bigger and better plans. He sees the big picture. You're listening to Lighthouse Conversations. I'm Nathan Owens, and in the studio with me is a servant of the Lord who has been serving the Lord for many decades, Dr. Laureen Itterman, who is a missionary, and we'll be discussing uh, later on specifically how the Lord is using her. But in this episode, she has been sharing her background, where she came from, how she became a Christian, and how the Lord, even though she was surrendered to being a full-time missionary, the Lord put her on hold for a period of time. Dr. Itterman, how many years or what period of time would you say it was from the time that you were fully surrendered to being a missionary uh, and you were an adult, you would have had the opportunity to be a missionary to the point where the Lord had you on the field full-time as what we think of as a, a traditional missionary, and that's your full-time career. Okay, if we aren't counting when I was a child. Right. Okay, from when I thought I would be going with this other organization, right? Yes. And I didn't have peace about it. Okay, that would have been in '67. And it wasn't until 93 that God allowed me to actually go. Wow. So So almost— all those years, he's priming me for what I'd be doing later. But, you know, my father always told me that a sharp axe uh, for wood will cut deeper and more accurately than a dull one that you pound many times, like one sharp. Yeah. And so sometimes God has us, you know, going through all this training. I had to learn a lot about being willing to live alone in a foreign country, learning to be able to handle people of all different personalities and uh, stimulate them to want to do their best learning how to live, of course, in another culture because I was traveling to different countries and experiencing all of that change and accepting their culture. Sometimes we Americans feel that our way is the right way and all other cultures are not. But I have learned that every culture may be the right way for that culture. Yes, you see, and I had to learn that because I grew up thinking America is the way we should, the whole world should be functioning. <laughs> so the Lord had you on hold as a full time missionary for almost 30 years. That's right. But during that holding period, that holding period, the Lord was still allowing you to be a missionary in sharing the gospel. You mentioned that you traveled around and you were able to share 
lectures on education. Were there other ways that the Lord was opening doors for you to be a missionary during that so-called holding period? Well, when I was working on my doctor's degree, I had to write my dissertation. And I remember going to the main library, praying in the main library, God, what do you want me to write about? Uh, because I I still had about oh, some months yet before I had to declare my topic, but I was getting kind of edgy. I wanted to know, and I wanted what God wanted to, me to do. And while I was sitting in the library, I really felt so strongly. It was almost like an audible voice that I even looked around the library to see if anyone else had heard it write about Jesus as a teacher. Hmm. And I thought, my first reaction, they'll never let me do it, because I'm in a secular university, you wow. see. And I, I was so shook up that I walked back to my education building where I had my own office. They gave us all little offices. And when I opened the front door to the education building, my chairman was standing there, my chair uh, person. And she asked me right away, Lorraine, what are you writing on for your dissertation? I was in shock. I knew I had some months to get my arguments together, why I should be able to do this, because I knew they'd try to shoot it down. Yeah. Uh, And I said, well, I have time yet to decide. She said, no, come into my office and tell me. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, what is going on here? I don't have time to form any arguments, nothing. And I remember walking behind her, going to her office, and the verse that came to me was, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. I knew she was going to shoot me down. We went into her office. She sat down in her chair. I stood by her desk's desk, and she asked me, tell me. What are you writing about? And I said, well, I have time yet. No, she said, you tell me. And I said, well, er, um, I was just kind of like maybe thinking about, and I thought, okay, I'm going to say it, and here it goes, and then there'll be the explosion. I was thinking about writing about Jesus as a teacher, and it was death quiet. And then she said, I have been waiting all my career as chairwoman of this department for someone to do that. Wow. And she stuck with me through thick and thin. Wow. Because there was a time when I had to defend that dissertation to all the doctoral students and professors. Wow. And, of course, you know how they would feel about this topic. And we went in there, and I just thought, God, you have to give me the words to say. I'm not going to say anything unless I know it's from you, because I knew they'd shoot me down just like anything, because I had to struggle with that all the time. They're making fun of Christians, anyone who still believes, you know, like that. So I started telling them what my perspectives was and so forth. I was going to take the different groups during the time of Christ and decide 
which methods he used with which groups. Actually, I wanted to find the one method he used because then I could revolutionize the whole education system throughout the world, right? But I found out he used different methods with different (laughs) people. Yes. And so they started asking me questions, and then they started making fun. And they were making fun, laughing and mocking, and I just sat there. And all of a sudden, one lady said, we better stop or we can be shot dead. And it got death quiet. I thought, now they'll really laugh. Instead, they got up one by one and walked out of the room. Hmm. So God showed me his power. Just go for it, girl. I'm right with you. So was your chairperson, was she a Christian? She said her pastor never taught anything that I was, because I was quoting scripture read, yeah. right and left. She said she came from a liberal church, but she said I'd go to the Bible, and there it was. And I had someone else who went to uh, another kind of church where they didn't learn anything, and he said, I've learned so much. I lear- I had the most problem, and I had an athe- agnostic on my committee, but he f- supported me. My most critical person, professor on my committee, was someone of my same denomination. Wow. Thank you very much for sharing that, Dr. Aderman. We are out of time for this episode, but we will pick up with this on our next episode. So make sure you join us next time for Lighthouse Conversations as we continue to talk with Dr. Lorene Itterman. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations? We would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or lighthousebimi at gmail.com. Or give us a call at area code 268-462-1454 or send us a message via WhatsApp or text at area code 268-782-1454 Thanks for listening. Remember... You can hear Lighthouse Conversations Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Bye-bye.